Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. I am so excited to be in person with Athena today to talk all about hormones. Hello. Hi, everybody. So today we're going to cover a lot in a short period of time. We're going to talk about circadian rhythms versus infradian rhythms. We're going to talk about the four phases of the female cycle and some quick tips to help with cycle syncing. So we all know hormones are so powerful. They really impact the way we feel, the way we think, the way we respond to situations, even digestion. Uh, Most of us have heard of circadian rhythms, which is like a 24-hour period, when you sleep, when you eat, how you digest. But we haven't really Really heard of infradian rhythms. And infradian rhythms are very important for females' health. That's basically anything more than a 24-hour rhythm. So think of a menstrual cycle. That's an infradian rhythm. It's more than 24 hours. And so it's typically about a 28-day cycle. But we know there's some variation there. Really, we consider anything from 26 to 32 days as being normal. But I wanted to start by talking about the four phases of the female cycle just briefly. And then we're going to pull Athena in to talk about some of the cycle syncing and some of the things we can do with our lifestyle. And so there's really four phases of the female cycle. There is menstruation, the follicular cycle, ovulation, and the luteal phase. So menstruation, this is your actual cycle, right? This is when you're actually shedding that lining of the uterus. And the average length of this can be three to seven days. So if you're listening and you have 10 or 14 day cycles, we should probably evaluate some of the hormonal imbalances that may be playing a role. And then the follicular phase, this is basically where our hypothalamus communicates with our pituitary and makes a hormone called FSH or follicle stimulating hormone. And so this causes the body to produce about five to 20 follicles that each have immature eggs in them. And then only about one of those follicles actually matures and drops an egg at ovulation, which is that third phase of the female cycle. And so at ovulation is when the luteinizing hormone is really high. And this triggers that ovulation, that mature egg to be released. Uh, And this is typically two weeks before your cycle starts. So if you have a 28 day cycle, that's around day 14. And then we enter into the luteal phase, which is basically if you become pregnant, progesterone levels continue to rise, your uterine lining continues to thicken to support that implantation and that baby. And if you don't get pregnant, progesterone levels rise, they find out, hey, I'm not pregnant. And that corpus luteum starts to kind of die off and the progesterone levels drop causing menstruation. So I wanted to kind of cover those four phases of the female cycle because understanding what's happening throughout the month is really important. And understanding the way we feel during those different cycle moments is very, very important for our overall health and wellness. So Athena, kind of tell us some things that we can do to help us get better synced with our cycle from a lifestyle standpoint. Yeah. So, um, I think generally speaking, like anything that triggers like just better overall health. So like, you know, focusing on quality foods that are anti-inflammatory, um, getting lots of color in our diet that's, um, has antioxidants that just helps with every single cell in our body. All of our mitochondria and every cell is just optimizing 
everything, but also fertility. Um, so a few of the things that we can always do is focus on like stress management, particular during like high stress times around ovulation, around our cycle. So always managing our stress levels. Um, but a lot of us have heard of cycle syncing as well, or um, seed cycling where we can incorporate different fats and oils different, you know, during different points of our cycle to help support progesterone rising and falling um, um, in our um our eggs being like maturing in our ovaries and stuff. So during the follicular phase, during that first part of the month or after we have our period and before we ovulate, those are going to be pumpkin seeds and flax flax seeds. So some different things you can do is grind them up and put them in a smoothie. You can prep them at the beginning, uh, you know, maybe right after you finish your cycle. Um, I usually like to say you do them once a month um, because they can go rancid if you're not, you know, keeping them for too long in the cabinet. So we really should only do them once a month, but getting, you know, getting them prepped, putting them in things like smoothies, sprinkling them on salads. Um, I've never tried them, but our health coaches are always suggesting like um, our, our moon balls or whatever, like the seed cycling balls, and they can make them into little snacks. So um, pumpkin seeds and flax seeds and then sesame seeds and sunflower seeds. Um, have you ever used them? Yeah, I have. I really, I think, you know, in a lot of the patient experiences that I've encountered, they notice improvements even in like two to three cycles, mm -hmm. which is really pretty cool. And even though there's not large meta-analysis being done on seed cycling, because really who's going to fund that research, um, why not experiment for two or three cycles and see? And I really do think from what I've learned and what I've seen in patients is the dose and consistency is really important. So you really want about a tablespoon of each during that follicular phase and luteal phase. And that consistency is key. And seeing, you know, in two to three cycles with seed cycling, do you notice a difference? Yeah. And um, how cool if you did. Right. And I you mean, <laughs> I can say, I mean, personally, I did them myself and I really yeah. enjoyed them. Um yeah, there was something else I was going to mention about that, but anyway. So, so tell us again, because it's one tablespoon of each. And so follicular phase, day one to like 14 of your cycle, mm -hmm. what two seeds are those? So those are um, pumpkin and flax. And so you want to get like as fresh as possible sprouted pumpkin seeds that haven't been like baked or roasted or anything like that. So as natural um, to the seed as possible. So pumpkin and flax and then sesame and sunflower. Okay, perfect. And those are great to throw, like so easy to put in smoothies, smoothie bowls. Um, the fat bombs are really fun to experiment with. I did a lot of that with lactation, mm -hmm, like the yeah, oatmeal yeah. and the ground flaxseed when I was nursing to help with breast milk supply. And you can mix anything into those balls and snack on them, yep. which is so easy. What are some other things to kind of consider maybe from like an exercise standpoint oh. when it comes to cycle syncing? That's a good point. Cause I've gotten this question a lot and I did some like deep dive research on like different phases. And I think that could be interesting because some of us focus so much on our type of exercise that we don't necessarily change them. Like if you do CrossFit or hit or hit training, you just do that through the month, month after month, and that's your thing or strength training, running, whatever. But we're really finding that the stress that we see throughout the month, that we really should adjust it. So on days like, you know, while we're on our periods, like we are likely low in energy, you know, we have low estrogen. Estrogen is what gives us energy. So we're low in energy around that time. It's okay to scale back, do yoga, restorative exercise, walking, like it's okay to give yourself a break during that point. Um, and then what we find is after day three, um, our FSH, our estrogen starts to rise towards ovulation. And that's when we usually feel our best when we have a good amount of energy, um, energy uh, or with estrogen. 
And we can do things like increasing strength training. If we want to push our workouts during that time, we have the energy. But what I found interesting, there was a research article that found a connection between um, ligament and tendon injuries around that time. And for some reason, the estrogen levels seem to make our tendons and ligaments maybe more lax during that time. So one of the things I pulled from that was like, we can push exercise, but we also need to make sure that we're warming up particularly our joints around that time. But like, go for it. You can push yourself up through ovulation. So even through ovulation, we can um, feel pretty good and push ourselves um, in whatever activity we're choosing. And then after ovulation, you know, as estrogen is kind of fallen and progesterone is starting to rise, we probably feel pretty good during that early luteal phase. And after that, we start to see more of a dip as our progesterone rises, a dip in our energy and feeling more fatigued. So kind of going back to that, like you can take it easy. It's okay for you to feel fatigue and maybe not be hitting PRs or whatever that might look like. Um, and then we, you know, get into our menstrual cycle and the energy kind of falls. So the best time to really like listen to your body and go after it is during that mid cycle time when estrogen is high, take a break around your period and you can have some rest. And I found, I wonder back to your study, if part of it with the more tendon and ligament uh, injuries is related to progesterone levels Mm -hmm. because progesterone is so relaxing and anti-inflammatory. And so I wonder because progesterone is obviously really low in that follicular phase, if there may be a little bit more inflammation and you're training hard, estrogen's high, progesterone's low. So that is really interesting. I haven't seen that article. Um, But I do think one of the interesting things too, with that luteal phase is that you're naturally more in a sympathetic nervous system state. So I have a lot of patients that track data points using like the whoop band or things like that. And they will actually see their resting heart rate is much higher in that luteal phase. And so, you know, to your point of not maybe pushing it as hard and listening to your body is there's already a little bit more stress on the body. Your resting heart rate may be up a little bit more, you know, it may be a great time to do more of the yoga and, uh, strength training and walking and less of like the high intensity hit training or a lot of cardio. Um, and I read a study that, uh, women actually burn like 200 extra calories in the luteal phase because of what's happening within their body and some of the hormonal changes. And so I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I hear this all the time with patients is you're a lot more hungry before your cycle starts and that's the metabolism increasing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's also interesting. If we burn too many calories, our metabolism is also high and we're already really hungry. Yeah. It can just be a spiral. I would, there was something one of my professors was mentioning back in school was mentioning like the certain times of the month where our growth hormones are high or doing like trying to go for PRs. Have you heard of anything about that? Cause I haven't thought about it in a while. I haven't really looked at growth hormone as it relates like the female infradian cycle. Um, but that would be really interesting to look at, but we know when growth hormones higher, you're going to train better. Um, and so I wonder if it is correlated at all with estrogen. Cause everything I've seen is that women are going to PR and train the hardest in that follicular phase, like you set up until ovulation. So I would think estrogen's high, maybe growth hormones a little bit higher. Um, but it's really fascinating. And even, you know, kind of getting out of that performance space, like you think of big work decisions that you need to make, or you think of, um, I love the term. There was a study that was done on cognitive empathy. So like estrogen really helps with that cognitive empathy. So, you know, if you can cycle sync, even big life decisions or presentations or things like that, the follicular phase is like a great time to make those big decisions. That's so interesting, especially because we can get, for people who are more progesterone deficient during later in their cycle, they can start feeling that anxiety ramping up at the end of the cycle. Um, And like... (laughs) Yeah. Timing things like, no, I'm going to have to wait another week to answer that question (laughs) and knowing that it's okay. And then also, you know, if there is drastic symptoms, like if you're having 
a longer than a seven day cycle. If you're having lots of clots, if you're feeling like the anxiety is impacting your relationships or your work performance or whatever it may be, there's so many natural things we can do. Like I know Athena and I work with a lot of women and hormones here and we dig deep and we do Dutch testing and we actually can do cycle mapping with the Dutch. So we can do month long Dutch tests and see really what's happening throughout your whole infradian cycle, uh, which is fascinating, but there's so much we can do like naturally things like Vitex can be a great progesterone mimicker or actually taking uh, bioidentical progesterone in an appropriate patient. Um, anything else regarding cycle syncing and considerations that you've seen? I know we talked about seed cycling, which we've seen huge benefits and kind of thinking about the training, the metabolic state. Um, I also do think eating a little bit more carbs in that luteal phase. Like I know a lot of my patients have really gotten into doing more like intermittent fasting, for example their body may be fine doing intermittent fasting in that follicular phase when their body is more resilient to stress. So that first half of the cycle, but the second half resting heart rates a little bit higher, their metabolism's faster. They naturally have a little bit more cortisol, their stress hormone. It may not be the best time to intermittent fast. And I think that's, what's also cool is we don't have to do the same thing every day. We can have parts of the month where we eat lower carb and then parts of the month we eat higher carb part of the months where we do a little bit more intermittent fasting and, and push our body stress resilience part of the months we don't. Um, so I think that's so cool. Yeah. Some other things, I mean, these are more for symptomatic patients, but you know, we, we talk a lot about using cruciferous vegetables and, um, types of foods like that. So, so like, uh, broccoli, bok choy, um, dandelion root, which actually I've started dabbling in dandy blend. Have you heard about dandy blend? No. What is that? It's, it's, it's like a coffee replacement. So oh. it's got, um, chicory root in it and it's got a dandelion tea. And we've talked before about, um, coffee being processed through the same liver enzymes as estrogen is. So if you're making a lot and you're all going down the same pathway, it can kind of bog down. So doing things like dandelion tea, um, or, um, dandy blend, cruciferous vegetables, just help with the appropriate metabolism or hormones. And maybe during the progesterone cycle, um, at the later half of the luteal phase, just making sure we're getting good quality plant-based fats. Yeah. I think that is so important. Um, we do, I see a ton of estrogen dominance. I think that's like probably one of the things that we treat the most. And so kind of thinking about like what Athena's saying with caffeine consumption and the way it goes through the same enzyme as estrogen and eating more of those cruciferous vegetables and dandelion tea, you know, cilantro, parsley is also great sweating and Fred sauna, making sure you're having daily bowel movements. There is a huge correlation between constipation and estrogen dominance because the liver processes all of that. And then, you know, it gets reabsorbed in the gut, but some symptoms uh, that we see a lot with estrogen dominance is fibroids and endometriosis, fibrocystic breast, lots of clots and heavy cycles because the uterine lining is getting so thick, uh, weight gain, you know, trouble losing weight, menstrual migraines. We see a lot of women around ovulation that have high estrogen. They get bad menstrual migraines. Uh, anything else that you see with, uh, Just estrogen dominance, like the mood changes, like anxiety, depression can kind of go either way with high, low progesterone, high, um, estrogen, um, sleep impairments that yep. being interrupted. And I feel like I used to not see as much, low progesterone and, and high estrogen. Now I see a lot of good estrogen levels, but low progesterone because of adrenals. So you may not have those estrogen dominant symptoms, but you still have a lot of the anxiety, the PMS, the irritability, the trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. And we see that a lot in our high performing females because we're very adrenal driven, right? You know, we get up, we've got a lot on our plate. We're always trying to perform our best. We're fitting in our workouts. We're eating clean, you know, all these things that 
is good for you, but increases cortisol, which over time can deplete progesterone. So if you're dealing with any of these symptoms that we've talked about, or if you really are just interested on how your hormones are looking, we can get you in, get you tested and kind of figure out what we need to do. Cause the best approach is an individualized approach and really meeting with somebody one-on-one. So all of these things, the seed cycling, awesome to try listening to your body and changing the way you work out, adding in those cruciferous veggies, all of that is great, but sometimes you need some of that one-on-one individualized care. I agree. (laughs) So thank you guys so much for tuning in and um, check us out at Stat Wellness and we'd love to see you. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.